Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Reproducer. Hello, I'm Jenny Nelson. And I'm Mark Jeeves, and welcome to Reproducer. This is a podcast all about radio. Now, if you ever listen to the radio, most of what you hear on air didn't happen by accident. There's someone behind it. It might be a production team, it might be a single person, depending on you know, the budget of the station. In either case, there's a group of people who don't necessarily like the limelight, but do love creating engaging content. It's what me and Jenny do. We're radio producers, and this is all about them. And our guest today is a radio producer who's working on one of the biggest breakfast shows currently. It's Mark Lockett. As much as we plan shows and story arcs and big kind of features and things like that and come up with great ideas, the best days are the days when something just kind of hits with the audience and you get that instant reaction on text or on socials and you just kind of run with it, whatever it may be, if it's like an off-the-wall text topic or a really funny piece of audio and then people start sending in their own takes on it and stuff. I love, love that element to it. Reproducer. Reproducer. So Mark Lockett is the exec producer of the Dave Berry Breakfast Show on the Absolute Radio Network. I think he's a bit of a legend. The show won gold at the Arias earlier on this year. And Mark's going to tell us what it's like to work on a show as big as that, to work on Breakfast Show in general. He'll also share his background when he worked at Radio 1 and 1 Extra, um, when he was at Radio 1 in particular on Scott Mills. And um, we also chat about hot jocking, something I never thought I'd say. Um, Advice to his younger self, advice to aspiring radio producers, Things like story arcs, and we also use the expression bringing the vibes again more times than I, you know, really care to, but it kind of makes sense. And we started off by asking Mark what one thing would improve his job. Reproducer. More money. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> Boom, um, okay. What would improve my job, genuinely? Do you know what? Probably more knowledge 
and understanding and ability in like emerging trends. So the one thing I wish I was always a bit better at, it's always a bit scary when like you employ new younger people and they're really good at stuff. And I think, I don't know how to do that. And I'm too old and too embarrassed to ask them how to do it. Uh, so yeah, genuinely, um, you know, cause we have situations where like if the assistant producer or the producer is off and something on the show will fall down because it's left to them to do normally. And it's not having that knowledge of how to do that stuff. I find quite frustrating. Um, but it's also finding the time in an executive producer's diary to learn how to do that stuff. So yeah, I just think more knowledge and understanding of like emerging technologies would be good. And how big is your team? Absolutely. So on the Dave Berry Breakfast Show, there's four members of the on-air team. There's Dave, uh, there's Matt Dyson, who's the co-host, and then there is Anna Geary, who's currently doing news uh, and on-air in place of Emma Jones, who's on maternity leave. And then there's Glenn Moore, who does our sport, and he's a stand-up comedian as well. And then from a production point of view, there's me, the exec producer. There's a producer, a guy called Dave Murphy, and there's an assistant producer called Scarlett Chapel. So and seven that, of us all together. But, mm. but from a production, just three of you. Which, three of us, you yeah. know, Compared to other national breakfast shows, that's pretty lean as a team? Relatively lean. I mean, when I was producing Scott, so like the kind of myth is that the BBC, everything is overstaffed. It's not always true. Uh, there were technically three of us on that show because there was me as the producer, there was an assistant producer and a BA. Um or a TA, as they were called then, and a TA kind of stretched over a number of shows. So really, it was sort of two and a half people on that. However, when I worked on Christian's show, I was the only person. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was the only producer. Um, yeah, it was a long time ago. It was different times. And yeah, the producer was responsible for on-air production, off-air production, socials, talent management the lot you name it we did it uh station sound even to a point gosh we used to make our own promos back then as well so yeah it was uh i was stretched pretty thin am i right in thinking did you work in finance before you moved to radio or have i, I did no you've you've got that perfect yeah so basically my sort of journey into radio um I graduated from university in an accounting and finance degree and I got myself onto a grad scheme at a company called Ernst & Young um, solely through the gift of the gab. Uh, I got a 2-1, which is great, but my knowledge of finance and all things accounting was, was pretty poor. But yeah, I got onto the grad scheme at Ernst & Young, realised really quickly it was not for me. Radio genuinely, genuinely was one of those things that I always wanted to do from when I was younger. But I remember one distinct parents' evening saying in front of my parents and my teachers, well, I want to go and work in radio. And my teacher said to me, well, no, you need to be famous to do that. Um, so that kind of really put me off. And I ended up going to do this finance degree eventually, got through that, worked for Ernst & Young on their grad scheme, failed my second year exams because, as I said, I was no good at it. And then weirdly, I went to go and work for um, Citigroup in Canary Wharf. Um, I probably was the cause of the financial crash in this country because <laughs> I, <laughs> I knew so little about what I was doing. And um, yeah, but then basically whilst I was doing that, I was like looking for an avenue into radio. Right. And because I came from this background of, 
you know, like accounting finance degree, working in finance, you sort of had to have a qualification behind your name to do anything. And I know whilst like you don't need a formal qualification to do radio, just to settle my own mind, I was like, well, I need to kind of get something. So I went and I did um, the MA in radio at Goldsmiths, which was a year long course. And it was great. That's what kind of propelled me into the industry because it just put me in front of loads of people and I was able to get loads of contact numbers and then basically started my career through that by doing work experience at um, TalkSport. Oh, right. Mm. Okay. And how? And then how did you go from TalkSport to working on Christian's show? So basically, yeah. So I was at Goldsmiths doing the MA, did some work experience at TalkSport, was basically answering the phones for the Ian Collins late night show as it was then, George Galloway on a Friday or a Saturday, I think it was. And then from that... I got offered freelance work as a phone op basically and did that for a while. Then I moved to the breakfast show, the Alan Brazil breakfast show there as a, a like an assistant producer and a, a sound, an audio producer. So I would like make the packages for the show. And then um, there was a point in time when I was doing talk sport in the morning. Then I was going across to a plugging agency called Peer Group. And then in the evening I was going to, well, as it was at XFM at the time, Radio X, and I was working on John Kennedy's show as like a, a you know, fr- uh, not even a freelancer, just unpaid sort of hired help basically, which was really good. That was great fun. And then from there, I started building contacts and I got put into contact with Paul Sylvester Absolute. And then my first job there before working on Christian's show was um, working on Frank Skinner's show and back in the day well I think they still do it now but probably in a different way it was so Frank's show used to go out just on absolute radio and they hired someone to come in on a Saturday morning to record the show re-edit the links slightly and put them out an hour later as like a kind of plus one service on all the digital stations so that was my first job at absolute and that went on for a little bit and then uh, yeah I just randomly got a call from Paul Sylvester one day when I was in the gym saying would you like to come and work on Christian's show and you know at the time that's an opportunity you don't pass up so yeah I just went went straight into it and that's how I got there so it is a kind of it's a culmination I guess of like hard work like doing lots of different jobs lots of different experience but also right time right place I know it's a cliche but it kind of was right time right place really and then um just kind of worked my way through onto Christian's show yeah Nice. I like, um, yeah, I like that as a bit of advice of saying yes to things. And also I like the fact that we get John Kennedy in because he is, I think, everyone would agree, one of the nicest men working in, in radio, one of the nicest presenters. Just Absolutely. Lovely. One of the nicest people to work with. Just so much fun to work with him as well. I just remember just feeling so included in the show and feeling like even though I was so junior and and whatnot, I felt like I had an opinion and he would just do little things like, you know, your first couple of shows, he'd be like, oh, so what kind of music do you like? Or what, you know, what bands are you into? Then all of a sudden you'd hear one of those songs oh. on the show and you'd be like, mm, you've put that on for me. <laughs> yeah, no, he's really nice. He's so nice. And so in radio in general, what would you, what do you like most about, or love most about it? And what, what do you hate as both, you know, either as a listener or as someone who works in it? I guess as a listener, I love the variety like to me sometimes if I'm driving the car late at night genuinely still to this day I still love to like 
flick around the dial so to speak you know and you can just because there's just so much variety there's so much interesting stuff and you know as a kid I didn't grow up listening to the radio I wasn't like that kind of like oh I'm under the bed sheets listening to Mark Goodyear at night or whatever like that wasn't me and I didn't really come from a family that listened to the radio in the house very much so in the car on the way to school so for me like listening in the car was always the place it was done and like I said driving out late at night I love flicking around and hearing different things and different little snippets like I love it when you hear like talk radio and there's an interesting topic and you can just kind of tune in and zone into that but also as well like for music discovery there's so many things that I heard sort of late night back in the day as it was on like the breeze block and stuff like that and you just think oh and like those are songs that have like stayed with me as well that I love I still love that element of it and from sort of as an insider like working in the industry again it sounds it does sound like a bit of a cliche but as much as we plan shows and story arcs and big kind of features and things like that and come up with great ideas the best days are the days when something just kind of hits with the audience and you get that instant reaction on text or on socials and you just kind of run with it whatever it may be if it's like an off-the-wall text topic or a really funny piece of audio and then people start sending in their own takes on it and stuff I love love that element to it where you've got the show plan and that goes out the window and I think radio allows you to do that so well you know you couldn't do that on this morning for example because there's a very strict rigid running order and unless there's breaking news you know you don't really deviate from that whereas in radio you can quite easily go do you know what we'll put that to the side we'll do that tomorrow that's fine let's do this funny thing right now and yeah I love that I love that side of it um what don't I like about it Do you know what I don't like? I don't like the common misconception that my good friends that I've known for most of my life still think that I turn up to work at 6am and leave work at 10am and just mess around for four hours. Uh, I don't like that element of it. Um, You know, it is, and I I certainly don't want to blow my own trumpet, but it is underestimated, I think, how much work goes into making a show sound like not much work has gone into it if that makes sense making it sound as natural as possible you know it's hard work and it it takes a bit of acceptance putting so much work into stuff and then it's almost there and then it's gone and the next day you move on and that's it and you kind of you don't forget about those things you remember them but as an audience they just move on so quickly and stuff that you've put so much work into just goes so quick um, and at the time you think wow that's the best thing we've ever done I'm going to save down all that audio and I'm going to keep I'm going to listen to it again and that just doesn't happen because you just pick up again and you go what would you say is your proudest moment for you working in radio so I guess not necessarily something that we've done on air but for me personally my proudest moment was getting a job at Radio 1 because that was that was like the dream for me you know like I said I wasn't I didn't come from a family that grew up listening to the radio, but I always wanted to work in radio. And the one place I always wanted to work was Radio 1. That was it. You know, hands down, that was the place to go. And I took a real punt when I went there as well. I had to drop down quite a few levels to get there. But I was totally willing to do that because I really, really wanted to do it. So, yeah, getting to work there and working on the shows that I worked on when I was there was definitely my proudest 
moment for myself like personally in in career wise and just yeah just just the people i work with as well working on like those amazing heritage features that i'd grown up listening to and thinking like oh my god like i'm part of this as well now i'm getting to make this yeah it's brilliant it's lovely to hear you speak like you are about how yeah the, the, it was such a great thing to get to radio one and and also to talk about the hard work and the the fact that yeah you can't just wander into this you have to take chances you took a punt you went down a few levels to get to radio one that's that's excellent to hear because that's that's how it is isn't it that's you can't just walk into groovy jobs unfortunately mm -hmm. and so um the, the other thing that i pick up is that there's obviously quite a few people who you've worked with who have been very important to you i've mentioned john kennedy already but who else would you cite as your biggest influences do you know i genuinely think that I've taken away something from every single person I've worked with. Yeah. You know, some people are easier to work with than others, but that's just like any job, I think. But every single person I've worked with, I've taken something away from. So, you know, just as a kind of roll call of people, I've worked with Alan Brazil, Kristen O'Connell, Scott Mills and Chris Stark, and most of the Radio 1 roster, because when you join there, you join as a freelancer. So Greg, Clara, most of the daytime list, Annie Mack, the dance, the dance DJs as well. And then at Absolute, Dave Berry. Um, but I guess for me, probably the person where it really, like, really opened my eyes and ears to how to how good some people are and can be was working with Scott Mills. I mean, he's just next level. Like I've never seen anyone hot jock like Scott. I've never seen anyone or heard anyone present like Scott. Um, Could you just expand on that a bit? Or do you have a hot jock? Cause that's, uh, that's something yes, you so, might not know. So basically, uh, yeah, Scott can sort of um, seg between tracks seamlessly, talk up to intros and out of songs and, something that i'd never seen anybody do before because we used to pre-record quite a lot of our features and um occasionally so we always had to um hit the news junction at a certain time and if we'd kind of miscalculated it and the song looked like it was going to uh overrun and we didn't want to come out too early we used to be able to now i don't know how i'm going to explain this but we'd basically take the song that was playing and i would t open up another version of it and make a quick edit and then drop that in under the log. And I could literally count down on my fingers and watch Scott and he'd be able to seg from the track that was in A to the same track that was in B that had been edited at a later point in the track seamlessly and maybe talk a little bit over the top and then hit the news junction at the same time. And I used to be like, how is he doing that? It's amazing. And this is on like a sort of BBC playout system called VCS, which is pretty rigid. It's not like Technic 1210s or Pioneers where you can, you know, properly mix it. It's a very rigid system. And so, yeah, for me, he's sort of, you know, I always used to think when I listened to Radio 1, the thing that always used to go through my head was it, it always sounded like the music was continuously playing, like it never stopped. So you'd go from like actual sort of commercial music into beds and then back into commercial music, into some IDs and effects and stuff like that. And Scott is the master at making that just sound consistent, like the noise just never stops, but it's not annoying if that makes sense. And so, yeah, his hot jocking is like second to none. So what would you say then? Is it possible to say, okay, for you, for your career, this is one of the most important lessons I ever learned. What would that be? I think 
When you're working with big talent, they generally don't want to hear no. So I think it's learning the importance of compromise. And so I don't mean like just saying no to an idea flat out, but it's learning ways and techniques to be able to speak to presenters and talent and kind of get your opinions and your ideas across without making it sound like you're saying, no, I don't think that's going to work. We're not going to do that. But also giving those presenters a little bit of leeway as well, because I often find that if a presenter comes up with an idea and that's their idea and they pitch it into you and they've got the confidence to do that as well and the ability to, you know, put their idea on the line as well, because nobody wants to hear, oh, that's not a very good idea. Like, I don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that. And so if they've taken the time to think about something and get behind it, I think it's always a good idea to try and go with their idea with your own little tweaks. If from a producer's point of view, you think you can maybe improve it or make it sound a bit better, but without saying no, like a flat no, basically. So I guess it's probably compromise is the most important thing I've learned. Reproducer. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. Through all of your career so far, it sounds like you've you've picked up you know, obviously huge amounts of experience. And with that in mind, if you could go back and talk to yourself on the day that you moved out of financial accounting mm -hmm. and into radio and give yourself one piece of advice, what would that be? Definitely just ask for what you want to do. So don't sit back and expect the bigger shows to come to you and sort of say, oh, he's doing quite well or she's doing quite well. Perhaps we'll invite them on to the breakfast show. If you want to go and work on the breakfast show or if you want to work on the drive time show or if there's a particular station you want to go and work at, Go and ask and talk to the people that are involved with that. I mean, I never would have made the move from One Extra to Radio 1 unless I would have asked. Um, yeah, I was going to say, is that how you got into Radio 1? You just you yes, the door? Yes, yeah, yeah, basically. And then started at One Extra and then an email went round from uh, a lady called Rebecca Frank, who now works at Bauer, who, who looks after KISS. Um, basically saying there's going to be a little shuffle of producers and assistant producers over on Radio 1. Let me know if you're interested in being involved in those discussions. And I remember at the time thinking, well, it's a really big deal to be involved in the Radio 1 side of things. Maybe I'm not ready. Maybe I'm not this. Maybe I'm not that. But I thought, actually, it's what I really, really want to do. So I'm just going to ask. And I'm going to say, yeah, I'd love to be involved in that. Can I come and have that conversation with you? And that's what we did. And that's how I ended up working on Scott's show. 
Um, so yeah, I guess the most important bit of advice is don't sit back and wait, go and try and get what you want. It won't always happen, but it's, um, you, you know, you can't knock trying certainly. You mentioned earlier about your mates kind of <laughs> thinking you just sort of waft in probably with croissants at 6am and then like fuck off to where, you know, the gym or the pub or wherever mm-hmm. at 10am. So what is a typical day for you then to talk us through that? So, well, so on a, on a breakfast show, basically, um, obviously I'm up early. I'm up at four, um, up, always shower before a show. I'm not one of these people that can do a breakfast show without having a shower or having a shower the night before, I might add. doesn't count. Got There's to be on the morning. There's great showers at Bower. You know, they've, they've actually got mm. showers. I know. I've <laughs> never, do you know what? I've worked there for a long time. I've never ventured in. Okay. Um, but yeah, so up and about nice and early and then... I'm in the luxurious position where I am afforded the taxi into work because it is really early and, you know, it gets us there on time, which is good. And I kind of use that time either to sort of look around on socials. I guess it depends where you're working as well, particularly when I worked at Radio 1 heavily into looking at socials on the way into work, seeing what's happening like right now, right there and then. But generally speaking, heading to work, I'm looking at news stories. I'm looking at anything interesting. We have a feature on Dave's show called Social Ammo, which is all about what's going on on the socials on that day. So just trying to find funny stuff. Um, Normally the show that we put out, so Dave's show is pre-planned. We have a lot of set features on set days. So there's not always... um, we're not always doing topic du jour type stuff. You know, right. we are flexible, but if the moment comes up, but generally we have set features on set days. So my role then when I get into work will be sort of checking over the scripts, checking over the kind of the texts and the tweets that we've had about a certain topic. And then of course in commercial radio, making sure all of the commercial activity is taken care of. So whether that be promotions from clients or it's, you know, something as simple as live reads or any sort of station activity so make me a winner is a big one at bauer at the moment um see other radio competitions you know other big commercial brands for the same kind of thing but it's making sure all that stuff is up to date correct which is really important and then it is just about my role really during the breakfast show is a lot of the and I don't want to do it disservice by calling it legwork, but a lot of the editing and a lot of the getting callers up and, you know, getting things ready is handled by the producer, Dave, and the assistant producer, Scarlett. And my role really in studio, because I'm an in-studio exec producer, is to, I spend a lot of time directing Dave. And that doesn't necessarily mean that he needs it, but I think it's nice for him to have someone to bounce off me. Do you and bring the, the vibes? Matt. Do you know what? That phrase was going through my head and I was like, I don't want to say it. I don't want to say it. But yeah, no, we, it we is, admire you for not saying it. Rather. It is about keeping a certain vibe within the studio. Whether I bring the vibes, I don't know. But it's about, you know, keeping the momentum, chatting to the guys. And, you know, it, radio is a glamorous career, but it can be not very glamorous as well. So a lot of it is talking admin and talking shop with Dave and Matt. You know, are you available for this interview? Can you do this date? This is coming up. Are you going to be available here? And then lots of pre-recording and bits like that. And then post-show, normally a meeting with one of our bosses and the team. And then we kind of break down what needs to be done for the next day and then sort of look at longer-term stuff as well. And again, my role as the exec producer is to 
look at the kind of longer term objectives for the show the bigger kind of story arcs or anything big commercially that's coming up and how we can kind of maximize our, our benefit with that basically i want to ask about story arcs mm. like are you a fan or can they actually be quite restrictive because i've not necessarily and this is just completely subjectively i've not really worked at many stations that have relied on story arcs so yeah it'd be good to get your thoughts about that so you know earlier on i was saying how every presenter i'd worked with i've taken something away so christian o'connell was the first presenter i'd ever worked with where i was kind of introduced to the concept of the story arc and generally you know for those that don't know a story arc is like an an ongoing story feature piece that might last anywhere from like two weeks so maybe even like three months or something and it's generally you start off at a starting point and you work towards some goal so like in the past ones we did with christian that really stood out that were genuinely really good we did something called one last game where we um reunited richie firth he was the co-host at the time we reunited his football team from when he was at school from when he was like 10 years old and then we put them against a team of listeners that was managed by Christian O'Connell and we played the game at um, the Valley in Charlton. And it was amazing. And as part of that, so there's, there's the kind of, kind of general story. We are going to reunite Richie's football team, create a football team of listeners. And then the goal is we're going to, um, no pun intended, the goal is we are going to play a game of football at a football ground. But along the way, along the story arc, we had little jump off points. So when we're putting together Christian's team, we're meeting all the people that are going to join the team. And within those people, there were some amazing stories. There was a guy who became the captain. Oh my gosh, I can't remember his name. It was such a long time ago, but he was a really interesting character. He was like an ex army veteran and he was great. And there was another guy who coincidentally was becoming a professional footballer but his career was ended at the valley in charlton when he broke his leg and so for him it was like this redemptive arc came about he ended up playing in this game at the end of the at the end of the story arc and it was the first time he'd been back to the valley in like 12 years since his career ended so there was like a really emotional part to that and we reunited richie with his old school coach and it was just brilliant so there's like I guess the benefits of a story arc is if your listeners are invested, then it's great. And that's where Christian really excelled. Like he could get listeners on side, again, no pun intended, so quickly with a story arc. And everyone, you know, he could, it was back in the day when, you know, we wouldn't necessarily necessarily have a film team at Absolute as it was. It wasn't Emma Bauer then. So he might just say to the audience, right, I need somebody that owns um, a film production company who's going to come and film it for us. And then two minutes later, you've got calls, like the, the switchboard's going crazy and people are like, my company will do it, they'll do it, I'll do it. All just for the exposure. It was great. And he was the master at like geeing up the audience to get involved with it. So I think there's so much benefit when the audience get involved and they feel like they're part of the story and they're making it and you're all kind of going along and ticking bits off and adding bits in. It's brilliant, but it all comes down to having a really good initial idea because there are times when I've done story arcs and even as a production team, we might not feel fully invested in it and you kind of look at the timeline and you go, 
well, we've got to get four weeks out of this thing. Right. And it, it can lose its legs a little bit. And I think it's got to have, you have to have the end goal in sight at the start because there's nothing worse from a production point of view anyway of a story arc just like filtering out. Yeah. And when that happens as well, particularly at Absolute Radio, because the listeners are really invested in what's going on on air, when something filters out, it's you have that horrible moment where you get those messages that are like, oh, what happened to that thing you guys were doing with them? Um, it's like, oh, they, they've noticed. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, when listeners actually listen, it's so annoying. Yeah. But um, somebody I work with describes story arcs as uh, sticky, which I really like in the fact that it, they become sticky for listeners as in listeners get invested in them so they stay with it and it's a good way of you know keeping your audience engaged in something you know like I was saying before how you can do something amazing then it's gone the next day and they might recall oh that was a really funny caller but particularly with one last game people would talk it felt like people were talking about that for a long time afterwards that sounds brilliant we'll finish off by looking at the future of radio what do you think it is seeing that how radio has evolved over the last decades obviously social media and networking what what do you think the future of, of radio is do you know what there's always like this there's this feeling and this ethos that we're always having to reinvent radio that might even be about our tagline i don't know but there is this feeling that we need to reinvent radio all the time but you forget that so much of the country so that for me this became really evident during covid in lockdown and we went back to the studio after the first lockdown so after about three months or so or however long it was and i was nervous about us i didn't think we were going to get any calls because i just thought everyone was going to be at home i was going to be panicking about covid and thinking about that and not really wanting to listen to the radio or anything like that however one i was so surprised at the amount of calls and the amount of interaction we had but not just from people that were at home. I was amazed at how many times we did a phone-in of some kind. I'd say to whoever it was, okay, Jenny, what, what are you up to today? I'm on my way to work. I'm on my way to work. I'm on my way to work. Everyone was on their way to work, despite the country being in lockdown. And it made me realise, I was like, gosh, you forget, like so many people still just go about, they have a normal day-to-day -day job. They do normal day-to-day -day things. And part of their normal day-to-day -day activity is listening to the radio in some capacity. Mm. And whilst it might not be traditionally on a kind of set-top box radio, you know, it's probably through an app now. People are, you know, with iPhones and smartphones, people are so much more used to that. So I think the future of radio for me is the same medium, but in a different format. So getting it through your phone, getting it through smart speakers and stuff like that. But the actual product, I don't think is should change that much because with the radio, you have great music variety, great entertainment with good presenters. You don't get that with Spotify, but then if you just want to listen to music, you can go and do that on Spotify. That's great. Go and do that. That's great. But if you want some entertaining, entertaining, you know, contemporary chat to go with it, go listen to the radio. And for me, I was amazed, yeah, like I said, at how many people still do that. We can often be in a bit of a, a London bubble, I think, and think that everyone's on the go all the time. I'm on the tube. I can't get reception down there. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But I don't know. I'd love to see a stat of how many people in the UK still drive to work. It's probably way higher than you imagine. And all those people have probably got radios in their car. 
I'm, I'm very interested in the future of radio as well and what it's going to look like. And you're right, the platform is one, is one of those things. It's how people will consume radio. It's no longer going to be uh, the thing that we started consuming it on. So from that point of view, what do you think, and, and also listening to you talking about socials and how important that was both at Radio 1 but also what you're doing now, and uh, what do you think f producers in the future then are going to have to be dealing with that perhaps we wouldn't think about now or we need to start thinking about? Because one of our hopes is that this podcast is going to be picked up by people who want to come into the radio industry. And of course, you're right, the, the, the radio will always be there in some form or other. But what are the things, the challenges that they're going to face, do you think, bearing in mind the platform differences we've got? Well, I guess it's get, getting your head around those as well and sort of keeping your knowledge up to date you know when you come into radio now or when you work in radio now it's not just about producing a show in a studio it's about thinking about the social element of that show and okay how does this sound on air in an audio format but how can it look on the socials as well what can we do can we take a snippet of this and put it in some other format whether that be tiktok or can we do this as a reel on instagram or a story and it's about having those understandings of how those different formats hit best with your audience and also how relevant they are to your audience as well because it's really easy to fall into the trap of Empress New Clothes or let's do everything on TikTok because that's the big thing at the moment but that's the big thing for 18 to 24 year olds not necessarily the big thing for 40 to 45 year olds so for example for the Dave Berry Breakfast Show TikTok isn't the best avenue or the best platform for us to use whereas Instagram probably is because that's the one that's growing with our demographic but yeah have as much understanding and a thirst for knowledge for all those new things as you can and you can get by with a bit of knowledge and with each of them like you know you don't have to be the greatest video editor in the world but if you can edit videos it's great it's going to help you out in the industry the more strings to your bow the better i think it kind of brings us full circle to what you said right at the top of the show about the thing that you would like to know more mm. about is, is keeping yeah keeping on top of all these trends. So I just know how to bring the vibes. That's it. And let's let's be honest. <laughs> Every now you need a vibe merchant on a daily vibes basis. Vibes are priceless, Mark. Don't do I think they are. Absolutely. Vibes are priceless. Yeah. The only other thing then that we really want to talk about is and, and you've been very uh, diplomatic and very discreet and all those things. We'd like you to forget mm. about that now. Mm -hmm. And and. Uh, give us an OMG moment from your career. Has there been a moment which has made you go, oh my God, you couldn't believe that this had happened? Yes. Tell. Mm. It involved... Okay, what's a diplomatic way of saying this? <laughs> Major reality TV star. Large quantity of illicit substance hidden from camera brackets not by me another bracket i was not involved close bracket thank you okay was this live yes excellent well insert all the all the rest of the information yourself listeners because that's clearly all we're going to get on that one mm -hmm. um have you ever had a, a, a an ffs moment yes uh Yes, it was, um, right, let me think. Again, diplomatic way of saying this. No, this, this one's not so bad, actually, but it involved um, a high-profile talent, not radio talent, high-profile music talent refusing to sit on a sofa because the angles weren't right. And so it involved us basically 
taking the entire setup. And this was to time as well, because we were speaking to this person before they were taking to the stage. Um, and it was really important, you know, as important as things are in radio, that we do this interview. It was really important we did this interview. Uh, but them and their manager refusing to sit on this sofa to be interviewed meant we had to take this interview basically to the back of the studios, essentially where the bins were, uh, and interview high-profile music celebrity there. By the when, bins. By the bins, which is much less glamorous than uh, taking a seat on a nice pink fluffy sofa. You yeah. see, I would have thought that. I would have thought that. And it was really kind of like, it was a moment where... Do you know what it was, actually, to be fair to the talent involved? It was less them, and as is often the way, it was more the team around them. And there was lots of justifying of positions of why these people should be there, and it felt like, well, this is what we need to do. We need to say, no, of course this person's not going to sit on this sofa, you morons. Let's go and do the interview by the bins instead. Um, And, yeah, it really was FFS because it was like, guys, come on, like, it's, it's five minutes on air. You're about to go on stage. Everyone's going to love you. Let's just get this done. Beautiful. Thank you very much for sharing your producer story with us. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Reproducer. Reproducer. Lovely to chat to Mark Lockett. And actually, since that conversation, and I have told him this, um, there's a bagel shop on Brick Lane in London that's quite iconic. It's like this 24-hour bagel shop. If you want a good bagel, you go to Bagel Bake on Brick Lane. I'm, I'm telling you this. You. I'm telling you this because the other day I had a day off. I went to Bagel Bacon Brick Lane and they were playing the Dave Berry Breakfast Show. And I told Mark and I was like, this is a big deal. And um, he agreed it was a big deal. That's so fantastic. there you go. That was um, an additional little insight into the excitement of working on a breakfast is, show. Well, if, if you're for radio producer, it's the international benchmark. If you get played in a shop, yeah, it just makes you feel amazing. Yeah, shop, it's fantastic. Cafe, yeah. Anything bagels are especially <laughs> exactly. But yeah, no, it was lovely that Mark was able to share, like, took the time to share his kind of insight about working at different networks, working on breakfast shows in particular. So, yeah, what did you make of that? Really good. I think this great thing about boldness is good because sometimes, you know, radio producers, we're not all uh, we're not all super confident people. And his insight for me was, if you want a particular job, go and ask for it. Mm. And and which is what he did. You know? And he ended up doing Scott Mills at Radio 1. And I think that's, that's yeah, absolutely right. Just, just go for it. Especially because... If you work in the bigger organisations, it's really easy. And I think this is just human nature for people to think, oh, you're the person who does that. That's what you do. That's all you can do. Exactly. That's You can only work at that network or surely you are only interested in rock music or pop music or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And so actually, if that is the mindset that you're only ever going to be working in that one network or in that one position, you do need to be bold and go, oh, no, I'd really like to try this out. And yeah. I think I'd be good because blah, blah, blah. Exactly. So, yeah, good tip from Mark. And thank you for listening to this episode of Reproducer. If you like what you heard, remember there are more episodes at your disposal and more on the way. So click subscribe and you'll get alerted when they arrive. Reproducer. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly. But sometimes when you drink that much water 
it starts to just taste bland and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just, I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.